Scripture reading, we're finishing out the 15th chapter of John. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. It's John 15, 18 through 26. It's God's Word. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But... When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This is God's Word. Let's sit down. You can tell he's used to being the boss, don't you? (laughs) My name is Randy. I'm one of the elders here. I'm glad to be here. Missed you guys uh, last week. A few of us got to go up to Boston and uh, hang out with the Durans. If you don't know them, most of you guys do. They're church planters that we sent from here to uh, plant in the Boston metro area. And uh, they left three months ago, and so we went up to kind of hang out with them, encourage them, and uh, we also helped out with a fall festival that their local sending church was putting on, and maybe the, we might help them put on something like that next year. And so uh, we might be looking for some volunteers to go up there and uh, do that next year. So be on the lookout for that. And at any time, if, if you just have a bunch of freaking flyer miles or just want to go to Boston, hey, it's worth making a trip up there. It's a great city, but also you get a chance to see them and encourage them and just let them know that we still love them and care about them and are praying for them. It means a lot to them. Um, I'm going to pray. Let's get rolling this passage. Father, I thank you for your grace and goodness to us in Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you are present here with us, that you did not leave us alone, but you sent your Holy Spirit to indwell us and to be among us, that we as Christians are those of God's presence. God, forgive us for those times that we have forgotten that and lived as if we did not live in your presence. God, we pray that you would look down in mercy upon us right now at this moment that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that you would give me strength and courage and help as I uh, try to proclaim your word to the people who are gathered here. God, the people who are gathered here are those who are deeply loved and cared for by you. You know them each by name. You know every hair that is on their head. You know things about them that I could never know and will never know, but you can speak directly to their heart. You can take your word by your spirit and speak directly to their heart and bring conviction and encouragement. You can breed joy where there is sorrow, God. You can take those who are low and lift them up and take those who are high and bring them low. But God, whatever you do today, we, God, we pray that you would bring us to yourself. 
that you would magnify the name of Jesus Christ and the presence of Jesus in our midst, that you'd make him real to us. And draw us to yourself, we pray. It's for your name and for your glory, for your renown, and for our joy, we pray. In Christ, amen. Last weekend when we were um, in Boston, uh, we sat down for a meal, and I don't remember... I don't remember exactly who it was. I, I think it was Pablo, uh, but one of us ordered a Coke. And it was one of those times where the, you know, the response was, uh, is a Pepsi all right? Right? Like, you're in a restaurant, you're like, can I have a Coke? And they're like, is a Pepsi all right? Now, the answer to that question divides the world. There, there, are, there are some of you guys who are just like, hey, I don't care. Bring me a Pepsi. That's fine. And, and that's all right. Then there are the rest of us who aren't maniacal and are like, no. Uh, a Coke is what I asked for. Just bring me a water. I, I, I can't settle for a Pepsi. Well, there's actually another group that actually divides this. So there's those that are like, it doesn't matter. Just bring me a Pepsi, Coke. There's other ones that, no, I'll just have a, a water. I'll just, I'm just boycotting the whole thing. Or I might just get up and leave. And then there are those of you who are in this room right now. You're like, oh, you drink soda. I, I, I suspected I was better than you, but now I know for certain. Randy, don't you know those things are poison? They probably are. Regardless of your stance on that particular issue, though, we all have something similar, some, some issue where, where two things are almost the same, but not quite. Two things are almost the same, but but not quite. Some people would be just fine with either, but, but you see the difference, you know the difference, and it matters. Is, is Pepsi okay? Sure it is. But the point is, it's not Coke. That's the point. It's not whether it's okay to drink, it's that it's, it's not Coke. It's similar, but it's not the same. It's like ordering Dr. Pepper and they're asking, is Dr. Thunder okay? Or hey, look, I have this bag. Is it genuine Louis Vuitton? No, it's Louis Vuitton. It's close. It's close. It's similar. It might be okay, but it's not the same. Now, Jesus is talking here about what it means to follow him, what it means to truly follow him. He's talking about what it means to be a Christian. And when we read this, something should stand out. The passage that, would, that Justin just read for us before he commanded you to sit down, the, the, the thing that should stand out to us, it should stop us in our tracks. And what it does is, is it should sift us. That's what the Word of God does for us, by the way. The Word of God isn't just something that we listen to and go away if we've actually heard it and say, oh, that, that's cool. I might write it down in my journal. I'd like to have that on a coffee mug. The Word of God sifts us. It, it judges us. It, it it sifts us and weighs us. And this is what Jesus said in verse 19. He said, if you were of the world, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. This is the key phrase. But because you are not of the world, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. 
The world hates you because you are not of the world. And I want you to hear that this morning. You are not of the world because you have been chosen out of the world by Jesus Christ. Here's the thing that should stand out to us. The thing that should stand out to us is that we have been sold, like somebody in New York City hawking the Louis Vuitton bag or somebody is telling you, Dr. Thunder is just the same as Dr. Pepper or Coke and Pepsi are essentially the same thing. Anybody is telling you these two similar things that are not the same are the same. We have been sold a version of Christianity that has a lot of the same flavors as true Christianity. But it isn't quite it. It has a lot of the same flavors of Christianity. Like Dr. Thunder has a lot of the same flavors of Dr. Pepper, but it's just not exactly the same thing. The Louis Vuitton bag looks a lot like a Louis Vuitton bag. It's just not the same thing. Our Americanized version of Christianity is not the same thing as true Christianity. But we bought it. We bought a, a Christianized knockoff off-brand religion labeled as Christianity. It's a religion where you can be a Christian and still pursue almost the same things everyone else in the world does. Almost. Just a little bit different. The flavor is kind of there, mostly there, but it's not the same. It's a religion that doesn't clash with the American dream. You can have it all. You can be wealthy, you can pursue wealth, your family can be picture perfect and Instagram worthy, your life can be perfect and happy, and you can still follow Jesus and get everything that you want at the same time. It's a religion that lets you determine what you want to do and how you want to do it, like a, like, like a buffet. I'll take some Notice what you put on your plate when you go through a buffet. You would never eat those things together, but you kind of, hey, I, I, like, I like crab legs, and I like mashed potatoes, and I like pickles. I'll take them all on the same plate together. That's what we do with, that's what we've done with Christianity. We've created a Frankenstein religion. That's pretty close to the real thing, but it's not the same. It's a religion that requires very little true change of who you are. It's a religion where the church can't or won't ask much of you because Jesus, your version of Jesus, doesn't or can't ask much of you. And that's because Jesus may be a big thing in your life, but he isn't all-consuming. That's the difference. That's the payoff right there. Jesus may be a big thing in your life, but he isn't the all-consuming thing in your life. Yet that is the actual mark of true Christianity. Jesus is the all-consuming thing in my life. At another meal in, in Boston, um, Johan was talking about uh, growing up and and growing up with his mom, and if you guys were around back in the spring, you met his mom and dad, and you know how awesome they are, and he was talking about what it was like to, to, to grow up, I hope I can share the story, Johan, I forgot, forgot to ask, I shouldn't have done that, uh, just, hey, that was on my to-do list, I did not do that, 
But Johan was talking about growing up with his, his mom, and, 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 he, and here's what he said about his, his memory of his growing up with his mom. He said that the, the memory that stood out to him about growing up with his mom with his, was his mom lying prostrate on the floor in prayer. That was his memory of his mom. And then he said this, and I thought this was fascinating. He said she never had many friends. In fact, I think he said she never had any friends. She never had many friends because, and this is what he said. This is the reason why. He said she never had many friends because Jesus is the biggest thing in my mom's life. Jesus is the biggest thing in my mom's life, and that was just too much for other people. And I thought, man, what an amazing legacy. I thought about the other people I've known who had that kind of legacy, and I thought about the many people that I have known and that I know where Jesus was a thing, maybe a big thing, but not the biggest, not the all-consuming thing in their life. And what I thought was, man, I hope more than anything else I do in my life, more than, more than anything else I may achieve in my life, what I would love my family and friends to say about me is that Jesus was the biggest, the all-consuming thing in my life. I do. That's, that's my great aim in my life. But according to what Jesus is saying here, that's kind of like saying, Wow, this Coke I ordered is actually Coke. My point is, that is what true Christianity is. It's not when Jesus is a thing in my life or even a big thing, but when he is the biggest and the all-consuming thing in my life. Anything less, anything less is Dr. Thunder and Louis Vuitton. Jesus is talking about true Christianity here. A Christianity where, where he isn't just a big thing in your life or the biggest, but where he is your life. A Christianity that, that starkly causes a break between us and the world. A Christianity that we consider is worth losing and suffering everything else for. Jesus is saying that Christians are not of this world that we live and work and hope, what we live and work and hope for is not of this world, and that those around us will misunderstand and hate and even seek to harm us because of that, and it's because of this, it's because Jesus is not of this world. Now listen to how Jesus talks about himself and about this world in verses 21 through 25 of that passage. But all these things they'll do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Jesus is not of this world. He came 
He was sent to show and display God to our world. He spoke the words of God to us. You see that in verse 27. And he did the works of God among us. You see that in verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 22 and then verse 24. Now, what we need to understand is we need to understand what the world here is and what it isn't. When he says the world here, what he's not talking about, he's not talking about the physical world like as in planet Earth. He's not talking about the physical realm. God created the Earth. Before the fall, he called it good, and we can still see the amazing fingerprints of God upon his good creation. God created mankind. We were created in his image. We, we bear his likeness. That's what the, the, the wording in Scripture means when it says God created us in his image. It means we bear his likeness upon us. Every human being has value and worth directly from the mind and hand of God. He loves not just humanity in general, he loves every individual, man, woman, and child. He loves you. The physical world isn't bad and the spiritual world good. God in Christ is going to redeem his creation. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying the, the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. But here's what he's talking about. The world here is the system of, of this fallen world that is in rebellion against God. The system of this fallen world that's in rebellion against God. And he's talking about all of humanity by birth and by choice. All of humanity. Our whole human world is a part of a fallen, broken system. Did you hear that? Our whole human world is part of a fallen, broken system. Our, it affects the way that we think about ourselves. It affects the way that we think about the world. It affects the way that we think about God. Uh, we're a part of a fallen, broken system. Our, our way of thinking about money and economics is part of a fallen and broken system. Our way of thinking about work and career is part of a fallen, broken system. Our way of thinking about pleasure and recreation is part of a fallen, broken system. Our way of thinking about family, about friendships, about politics, about authority are all part of a fallen, broken system. This world system is all-inclusive. It is everything around us and in us apart from the power and influence of Christ. That's what the world system is. And if, and if you think that any part, any part of your thinking isn't, isn't influenced or tainted by it, then you're mistaken. No matter what your family is or was, no matter what your upbringing was, you might, your earliest memories might be teething on the pew of a church. Your family might be the picture-perfect family. Everybody was nice and nobody ever raised their voice and you went to church and everybody did what they were supposed to do. No matter what your background looked like, you and I are all part of a fallen, broken system that is this world. And it affects how we think about everything and how we do everything that we do. You, if you are a human being, which by the way, all of us in this room, if you are a human being, you either have been 
or you are in rebellion against God. No matter what your background, no matter how nice you might be, no matter how, whether you grew up in church or not, every single human being is either is now or has been in rebellion against God. And that world system that surrounds us and is, that we're a part of is, is, so, is so sticky. It's so insidious that, that it'll even take on the guise of religion. See, you can rebel against God as an open rebel, or you can rebel against God through off-brand religion, where you think you're good enough because of all your good actions, because of prayers that you've prayed, because of church services that you've attended, things that you haven't done, things that you have done, how much you've given or don't give, You can rebel against God as an open rebel, or you can rebel through the guise of off-brand religion, and it really doesn't matter much to the world or to the devil. That's how sticky and insidious the the world system is. And Jesus says in this passage, what he's saying is the, the only way for any of us to get out of that system is for him to come and show himself to us, to show us God, and for him to come and speak the words of God to us, and for him to choose us, or gather us, or pluck us out of this world. And, and what did he do to show us God? What did, what did he, how did he speak to us? How does he choose us out of the world? He showed us in that Jesus came to us, and he showed us that he alone is the king. Jesus is the true king, the authority of this world. He is the true and the rightful king. He created us for himself. He created this world for himself. He created us to glorify him and to worship him and to magnify. He created us to glorify him and enjoy him forever, as one confession says. He alone is the rightful and true king. And not only that, but he is the king who came back to us, his people. He's the king who saw us in rebellion and by his own volition, by his own decision, by his own sacrifice, he said, I will not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but I will empty myself and take on the form of a human being as a servant to, to do what? To choose us, to pluck us, to rescue us from the sticky, insidious world system that all of us are born into and are willing participants in. That's who he is. He, he came and he showed us that he is the king who's the only truly all-powerful king because not only did he want to help us, not only is the rightful and true king, but he's the one who had the power in order to do it attested by the empty grave, he rose again. When payment for sins was made, he rose again, victorious, seated at the right hand of the Father, and is coming again in glory. That is Jesus Christ. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. Jesus showed us that he alone, he alone as a man 
was independent of this world system. Not only was he the rightful king, he alone was independent of this world system. We are all trapped. We are all willingly trapped in this world system. And only Jesus operated outside and independent of this world system. Only he, when you look at his life, he looks like, a, like an alien kind of life, doesn't it? Because he alone was motivated by true love and true joy and true peace. He alone operated outside of this broken world system. And because he was independent and is independent of this world system, he stands out in history as a great light, as the great light. Jesus showed us the, the holiness of God. God is just and right and pure and good. God is other than us. That's what holy, one of the things that holiness means. He is other than us. He is not like us. He is not of this world system. He is not created. He alone is God. God is other than us. And you can see it in his actions. You can see it in his life. You can see it in his death and his resurrection. We are created for holiness. We're created to be set apart to God. And so it's appealing to us when we see God, Jesus, set apart to God. But no one, no one can demonstrate it. No one has demonstrated it like Jesus. Jesus showed us the love of God. Do you see that in Jesus? Do you see the love that's not of this world? The love that we all long for, yet always seems to be out of reach. Do you see the love of Jesus towards us? In Jesus alone, the holiness of God and the love of God meet. This old verse that everybody knows, you used to see it at baseball games and football games, has become more and more precious to me. For God so loved the world. You hear that? That broken world system, that insidious, rebellious system that we are all a part of by birth and by choice. For God so loved the world, that world. God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his only son. That whoever would believe in him would have eternal or everlasting life. Do you see the love of God for us in Christ? Do you see the love of God for you in Christ? Do you see the sacrificial love of God in that manger in Bethlehem? As he empties himself and is born a babe of a poor couple in the middle of nowhere? Do you see his sacrificial love in the life of a poor peasant carpenter? who lived a full enough life that he would know every single sorrow and every single temptation that you and I would go through that he would know. That he could be a high priest, that he could relate to us in our weakness and our failures and our temptations. Do you see his sacrificial love in that? That he would go through that? That he would place himself in that position? Do you see the sacrificial love of Christ in the willing but wrongful torture and death? Of Jesus Christ and yet 
with such amazing love displayed to us, such amazing holiness displayed to us, yet Jesus says that his coming still comes and creates divisions. That's fascinating, isn't it? Such love would come to us to rescue us, would come to his own people who had been his people for thousands of years. He had separated them and cared for them and blessed them and guided them. He gave them his word. He gave them his law. He, he cared for them. He, like a, as he describes as a, a shepherd over sheep, he, as, a, as a leader, he had cared for them as the good king. He had watched over them, yet they had rebelled. And now he comes to them and they don't receive him, his own very, his own very people. His Jesus was the presence of God come back to this world. And you know what scripture tells us? That we all hated him for it. Jesus was the good king, love embodied. And we hated him for it. We despised the light because it invaded our darkness, our comfortable darkness. We're more comfortable in the darkness than in his light. He came to his own, yet his own did not receive him. Why would the world, why would that, the world system reject such goodness? Why, why would you reject such goodness? Why did you reject such goodness? Because we all did. Why are you rejecting such goodness now? How would you reject such goodness? Jesus creates unity in the church, but he creates division in the world. He said, if the world hates you, verse 18, though it's hated me before it hated you. What's the source of that division? Well, because Jesus is the king? But this world system, the world does not recognize his authority as king. Jesus is king, but the world will not refuse to obey the commands of King Jesus. Jesus is the revelation or the picture of God. He's the picture of his nature and his character. The world will draw their value and their identity from any place other than from God himself. Jesus alone is holy, but the world would rather seek the approval of man over God. That creates a deep division. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Jesus are not compatible. I want you to hear that this morning. Wherever you are, if you're here and you consider yourself a Christian, new Christian, been a Christian a long time, maybe you're considering the claims of Christianity, something that you need to hear this morning is the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of this world are not compatible. The world knows that. Satan knows that. That's what Jesus is saying here. Like, they reject you because they rejected me. 
Satan knows that it's not compatible. The world knows it's not compatible. But, but, but you know who, who, who doesn't realize they're not compatible? You know who, who at least who acts like they don't realize that they're not compatible? Those who are kind of caught in the middle. Those who see Jesus as important, but not important enough to build my entire life around. Those who see Jesus as important, but not important enough for me to gladly count the loss of all things for the surpassing greatness of knowing him. Yeah, uh, the people who are caught in the middle and consider Jesus important, but not important enough to leave the trappings of this world behind. Those who consider Jesus important, but not enough to count them all loss for the surpassing greatness. You see, you can carry the label Christian and still get along well with the world. You, you can carry the, the label Christian and still, still be just fine. You may listen to Christian music and go to church, but you still operate out of the same operating system as everybody else around you. You may vote differently, but your politics still behave the same. You may have a fish on your business material, but you still view money the same as the people around you. You can carry the label Christian and get along just fine with the world. But Christians are not of this world. You see, the world doesn't divide from us because we vote differently. They don't divide from us because we listen to Christian music and go to Christian schools and watch Christian movies. Those things can exist and be very compatible with each other. The world divides from Christians because we have been divided from them by Jesus. Do you hear how Jesus talked about you? If you're a Christian here today, do you know how, you want to hear how Jesus talked about you? If you're here and you feel his conviction upon your heart today, do you know how Jesus talks about you? You who once were a rebel consumed by the things of this world, here's what he says about you. He says, I, cho I chose you out of the world. You hear that? I chose you out of this world. Not general, those who will come and follow me, not, not, not in a big picture, but not those who happen to, to come, but I chose you, I came after you. I came after you like the, the hound of heaven. I came after you. I, I came to you whenever you were rebellious against me. I came to you when you were fighting against me. I came to you when you loved the things of this world more than me. I, I, came, against, I came for you whenever you became a Christian and you still keep going this way and this way and this way. I came for you because I chose you, 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 you out of this world. I chose you, I plucked you, I pulled you out of this world, and I brought you to myself. I chose you out of this world. Do you hear how he speaks about you, you rebel, you former hater of God? 
Do you hear how he speaks about you? Do you say, I chose you whenever you kind of hold yourself together a little bit? I chose you whenever you decided to read your Bible more? Do you say, I chose you whenever you decided, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to get into recovery. I'm going to quit doing that. Did I, chose, did I choose you then? He says, no, I chose you out of the world. I chose you. If you are here and you are still a part of that world system, if you sense his convicting power in your heart right now, this is how Jesus is talking about you and to you. He says, you, I choose you out of the world. You have been lovingly intentionally, knowingly, and powerfully chosen out of the world. And more importantly, you have been chosen unto Jesus. The world rejects us because it rejects Jesus. And we reject the world system because we love and we serve him. Do you see why he cannot be just a part of our life? Do you see why he can't even be just a big part of your life? Do you see why he can't even be the biggest part of your life? Why he can only be the all-consuming thing in your life? Because to have him is to have all that matters, both now and in eternity. And the loss of whatever is around us that clutches at our hearts and minds is a loss of nothing for the surpassing greatness of gaining Him. You are not of the wor this world and you cannot look to it for orders. You cannot look to it for identity. You cannot look to it, hear this believer, you cannot look to it for approval. You cannot look to the world for your orders. You cannot look to it for your identity. And you cannot look to it for your approval. Or you can try. But it's going backwards. The love of Jesus crowds out all other affections. One old theologian called it the expulsive power of a greater affection. It's just an old English way of saying, when the love of Jesus, when you taste the love of Jesus, it explodes every other affection out of your heart. The authority and power of Jesus crowds out all other allegiances. I have one king, and that's Jesus. And the goodness and the sufficiency of Jesus accepts all insults and persecution. Maybe we would rather not have it, but gladly, if I get him. Our persecuted brothers and sisters in, across the world that we're praying for today, we should pray that they would have less persecution. 
but we should not try to steal their joy that they have from the clarity of what it means to follow Christ alone as the all-consuming power. And you don't have to live in a persecuting country or climate to experience that kind of power at work in your life. This is true Christianity. Don't accept similar substitutes. Don't accept the Louis Vuitton and the Dr. Thunder. Hey, if I come to your house and you serve me Dr. Thunder, I'll be very happy. It's just, an, it's just an illustration. Save the money. That's great. But don't tell me it's Dr. Pepper. Is he, is Jesus, the all-consuming thing in your life? Where is Christ calling you to himself this morning? What is he calling you away from? And how do you need to respond to him? There's nothing more important that you can do anywhere, anytime than to consider those questions. Where is he calling you to himself? What is he calling you away from? And how do you need to respond to him? You might say, hey, I had a lunch appointment. I, this is the most important thing in your life. You might say, I, I, I got some other things I need. No, this is the most important thing in your life. Because Jesus chose you out of the world. And he loves you. And the only response, the only proper, the only reasonable response is to respond with all that we are to him. So however he's calling you to respond to him today, it might be asking somebody to pray for you. It might be kneeling where you are. It might be calling out in worship. It might be just coming up and accepting communion. It might be bowing at this, this prayer thing. It, I don't know what it is for you, whatever the Lord is calling you to, how he's calling you to respond, how he's calling you to himself, or what he's calling you from, but I can assure you there is nothing in the universe more important than you responding to him and responding to him now and today at this moment. He has chosen you out of the world. He loves you. Come to him. I'm going to pray, and we're going to, are going to open up the front. This will be a time for communion, but it's also a general response time. For you to respond how the Lord is calling you. Drop pretense, drop reputation, drop what you think people around you might think or may not think. I don't care, you shouldn't care either. And if you do care, just push it out of your mind and go forward and say, I'm following Christ today where he is calling me to follow. There'll be two stations, one on each side. Just come forward. If you're a believer in Christ, receive the bread and juice as you, as, uh, you see fit to come forward. You go back to your seat. I'll come back for, and, uh, afterwards uh, after we sing together and respond to lead us in communion. Father, only you know how you are speaking to each person's heart. Only you know what you're doing in each person's life. Only you know how you're calling us to yourself, what you're calling us to leave behind and how we're to respond. Pour your spirit out upon us and give us courage. God, pour out your love upon us and let it be the explosive power 
that dispels all other affections. In the name of Christ, for his glory, for our joy we pray.